and welcome to Coachcast by England Football Learning, the coaching podcast that brings you insight from people across the game. Today, we're chatting to Vicky Fisher, an FA Coach Development Officer, to discover her journey so far and how she's helping to develop female coaches in the Southwest. Hi, Vicky. Welcome to Coachcast. Hey, uh, how are you? All good. Thanks. Yourself? Yeah, great. Thank you. Fantastic. Really good to have you on. We always try and start by finding out a little bit more about your role and what you actually do. So if you could paint a picture for our listeners, what it is you do. Yeah, absolutely. So a working coach development and essentially supporting female coaches in the game, not just females, but female coaches around how we recruit more females. And then when we have coaches, how do we support? How do we look after and how do we help develop them? Brilliant. Fantastic. Well, before we really dive in to find out all about yourself, Vicky, and and your journey, as this is a coaching podcast, listeners could be on the way to training right now as they're tuning into this. So we feel it might be a good idea to give them some advice at the top of the show. Yeah, we like to call this your arrival activity. So it's a little bit something to warm you up, but also get some great tips. So we'll give you 30 seconds and we'll give you a bit of a timer. And you've just got to give us as many top coaching tips as you can. Is that okay? Brilliant, no pressure. Okay, Okay. so we'll start the music, go. Brilliant. So uh, top tips, always number one is have fun and enjoy it. Uh, Because if you don't enjoy it, your players don't enjoy it. Uh, And I guess number two links to make sure that your players are loving their sessions. So whether they're youth players, whether they're adult players, they go to sessions to have fun and to enjoy it. So I think whoever you work with, fun has to be key. Um, I think always remember, nobody else knows what's happening in your session other than you. So if something goes wrong, don't beat yourself up. Brilliant. We will let that one get in there just there. Well done, Vicky. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Some really good top tips there. Thanks for that. Let's dive straight in, shall we? And we'll start off, as we always do in this segment, is finding out what was your first experience of football like? So my first experience, like many, I guess, would have been at school, primary school. I played football. I live in the southwest. I live in Cornwall, so played with all boys. And then, again, like many, when I went to secondary school, I wasn't allowed to play football anymore. There weren't any girls' clubs. So in terms of my playing, that's where my kind of journey stopped at that time. Um, and I was really, really fortunate that, that when I was 16, I got into coaching. But by that time, there probably were more opportunities to play then adult women's football. So certainly for me, I had a period of time where, where I had to stop playing just because of opportunities. How come it was stopped then when you was getting into to secondary school? Why were opportunities quite limited for you to play? I think it was at that age where mixed football wasn't allowed. So when you were kind of 11, that was that cutoff point. And living in the southwest in such a rural area, that there, there just weren't the, the girls' teams. So there wasn't that that potential opportunity. So it was really about then actually what other things could I do to stay involved in the game other than playing. Um, I'd say I was really fortunate to get involved with a lot of leadership opportunities, meaning that I could do my level one course when I was 16 and, and really start to look into coaching. If we look at that coaching journey, I, I mean, I interviewed you recently for some content on our website and the story you told me about how you first started your coaching journey was really touching. Would you mind telling our listeners exactly how that happened? Yeah, of course. And opportunities were really limited, but I have to say I had some really supportive people around me. And my PE teacher, Mrs. Jones, she she always knew how much I loved football. And, and although she couldn't necessarily give me the opportunity to play, she was really supportive. And I got involved with coaching lots of the school teams, involved in all the young leader programmes. And, and as soon as I was 16, the school gave me the opportunity to book on a level one coaching course. So the support was very much driven by them. And 
I'm really grateful and appreciative of that at such a young age to set me up on the journey that I've had. It's really good to have someone that can see that in someone and kind of push an opportunity towards them, isn't it? Yeah, and I think, like I say, it it wasn't even opportunities that I was probably aware of. You know, I'd always wanted to play football. You know, I was really passionate about it. And obviously it was really upsetting when I didn't have that opportunity. So so for somebody else to say, well, actually, do you know what? I think you can do this and and here's your chance. And when somebody else believes in you, that's I think that makes you feel really special. And I think it's it's something that I've always carried with me into my career and, and into every role that I have in terms of, we can continue to give opportunities to other people, whatever that might be. Yeah, definitely. What did you say to the when the teacher came up and told you that there was a place on a, on a level one course for you? What did you say? I think I was a bit, I was definitely shocked and surprised to start with. And then I think it was just that, like I say, how it made you feel in terms of somebody, somebody else had taken that time to consider you. So I wasn't aware. I hadn't asked for it. They'd gone and done that and sorted it. And also that actually somebody else believes in you. Somebody else has believed that I can go on that and uh, I'm a 16 year old girl but I can be a football coach and that's really powerful. So what was your first experience of coaching like? Oh, I was terrified I was really scared but <laughs> I'm sure most of us are, are in exactly the same situation and I think there's an element that actually that stays with us sometimes throughout our journey whatever our qualifications or experiences but I say my initial coaching was in school and then once I completed my level one I coached at a local boys club because again there still weren't those opportunities for girls but I think I had the respect of the boys because they'd seen me in school they'd seen me around it wasn't necessarily a new face to them but yeah it was very much a case of oh am I am I putting into practice all the things I learned on my course or am I doing it right and that questioning and self-doubt that that I'm say I'm sure we all have at times. What was the level one course like uh, what was your experience of it like back then? Yeah obviously it was a long time it was a long time ago now it was a very old level one course I remember being the only female on the course so being only 16 years old and being the only female, quite intimidating, although the tutor was fantastic. So they were great. Just remember feeling quite overwhelmed sometimes and, and doubting whether I should be there. And again, it's been really powerful in terms of when I reflect on my journey and how I felt at times, how I'm now able to support and encourage and inspire more females to get involved in and probably take away some of those barriers that I felt. Not that they were intentional barriers, but definitely kind of sometimes felt uncomfortable. But I love the course. And I think it's that that love of it that gets you through it because you're doing it because you love it and, and you want to go and coach. If your younger self was in front of you now as a 16-year-old about to go on the course, what advice would you give yourself? I think it goes back to that kind of believing in yourself. But also everybody's there for a reason. So... People don't necessarily know other than you because of their gender or because of their background or because of their experiences. And I think sometimes we, I know I certainly did as a 16 year old female, I looked around me and think, crikey, I'll bet all of these guys know far more than me. But actually, probably wasn't the case. It was just because there was only one of me. So I think sometimes it's, just, I say, it's around backing yourself and believing in yourself and, and you're more than capable to do whatever you want to do. And would that be advice to any girls who'd like to start the coaching journey that may find themselves in a similar position that you did when you was at that age? Yeah, absolutely. I think, and we say it, the football is a game for all and we want everybody to to access opportunities. And I think it's about taking any chance that you have and, and sometimes being a little brave and taking that first step forward. And I was really fortunate that somebody gave me that opportunity. And there are so many more females now in the game. So we have more visible role models and we have female tutors and female coach developers and it's probably a much more diverse 
coaching community when you go into courses. We've spoken about you having support and kind of someone pushing you forward towards the level one. Did you ever have any negative or challenges other than not being able to play that made you kind of consider whether it was something that you wanted to do? And how did you overcome those? Yeah, I think not when I did my first course. I feel like I was supported. And even though I was the only female in the room, I thought the tutor was fantastic and everybody on the course was lovely. There was no there was no element that I was different to anybody else. Mm. But I would say there have been challenges along my coaching journey. And even now there have been times when I've turned up to fixtures and the opposition manager has walked past me to a male parent, presuming that they were the coach of the team rather than me because I'm female. So I think that goes down to kind of stereotypes and how certain people perceive who are in roles. I wouldn't say, again, that was a necessary, you know, negative, but it certainly makes you kind of feel a bit unsure or frustrated, I guess, in that time or that moment. Yeah. So how did you overcome that? But then how do we go changing mindsets with that? Because that, it's not right. No, it's not right at all. And I think that's where we, we have to continue to be the positive role models on the ground. So, yeah, I'm really privileged to to have this job and work in this role. But um, outside of this, I'm, I am a grassroots football coach and, and me working my grassroots team week in and week out and being on that pitch side, again, shows of us that, that we should all be involved in the game, regardless of gender or, or our experience or our qualifications, that, that there's a place for everybody. And, and I think in that situation, it was around potentially being the bigger person and saying, well, actually, no, I am the the coach and this is all the information that you need to know and then continuing to be me on the side of the pitch because I think it's easy to get like say flustered upset and, and I was and, and probably afterwards more so but at the time my responsibility was my players in the match but I think it's about keep being visible and keep being the wrong word and keep encouraging others to do more and step forward and also like I say supporting those in the game and being around to help and offer advice and it's not always easy so I think being there for people to go to is, is a good way that I can help. Yeah, definitely. So what is it that you enjoy about coaching? There's probably multiple things. Um, <laughs> I love seeing others develop. And I think that, again, started from a really young age from when I didn't have the opportunity to play. The buzz and the satisfaction you get from seeing others have a chance and you being a part of that is quite special. And whether that's, you know, giving a player their first opportunity to play. So it might be that they're, you know, they're new to football and they're just starting it. Whether that's coaching a player to help them improve and develop, whether that's supporting a player to access further opportunities so actually you might be working with a really talented individual that that you think you could signpost further so I think you can affect players in so many ways and and I don't even just think it's the football Mm. you know the number of young people that I've worked with where you've seen their confidence grow and socially they've developed I see players now that I coached you know those boys who I very very first started my coaching journey with are now far taller than me and are off living their lives all over the country and you know, when you bump into them and they share with you, you know, their lives now and, and they've got their own children and families and their careers. And a football coach is so much more than just the football on the pitch. And again, and quite often we forget the impact that we can have. So I love the football. I love seeing players develop, but I love seeing the people kind of develop and grow over time. Yeah, it must be really nice because you've got, it's like life lessons almost, isn't it? That you're kind of passing on as well. And then to see them develop and potentially passing those life lessons onto their family and what have you as well must be lovely. Absolutely. I mean, we say it to coaches all the time in terms of that role model piece. And I don't think any of us ever really believe it. We just, we go and do football because that's what we do. And yeah, on paper, we might know that we're a role model when we go on coaching courses and things like that. But I think it's, like I say, it's that reflection. And when you see people 
much later on, you, you realise that impact. Talking about impact, uh, in order for a coach to have a positive impact on their players, what key attributes and skills do you think they need? In terms of the coach? Yeah, in terms of the coaching skills that they might need to make a positive impact on the game. I think it's take away the football knowledge. It's that caring. It's that being there for your players, being that consistent person, getting all the basics right, like being on time and being prepared and being organised. And if you do all of those things, then your players will know that you you care. I said at the start, I think there's a really important element to that fun piece. The players have got to really enjoy coming to sessions. And if it's fun, then, then they probably will and they're going to keep coming back. And as a coach, you're going to enjoy it so much more. Because when you see players keep turning up week after week and going home with a smile on their face, then that makes you feel good. Because coaching's hard and lonely sometimes when it's pouring with rain or when you're on your own and you're carrying all the kit. But like I say, when those players leave and go home happy, then actually, yeah, that's that's a good place to be. Have you been inspired by any coaches or teachers throughout your coaching journey? What would you say that you've learned from them that maybe you try and introduce into your coaching? I think I take ideas from people all the time. And even now, some of the coaches that I work with, some of my new female coaches who are just starting the game, when I go and watch some of their sessions, I don't think they always believe me when I say I'm going to steal that idea and I'm going to use it. Because mm. I think as coaches, we, we're we always learning and developing. And it, like I say, it doesn't matter what our job is or what qualification we have. If we see an idea that we like, then try it, use it. So I'd say in terms of being inspired, I'm inspired by coaches on a weekly basis. I think any coach who tries something new, who puts on exciting, fun sessions, like fantastic. I think there have been certain coaches during my career who've probably inspired me and motivated me or challenged me in a different way. I think that's always a good place to be. And, you know, even linking back to that, my very first PE teacher who who probably gave me that push and motivation to to even start coaching because actually if I think about her as a teacher and how she taught me kind of pick things up of oh she used to teach like this so obviously teaching coaching is different but you're always kind of noticing and picking things up in terms of that really in terms of the like the difference between teaching and coaching you actually in your journey you actually went on to do a degree in PE teaching and sports coaching and just wondering what are the main differences between those two aspects and did you always prefer the coaching route yeah, so probably a similar story to lots, although times have changed now. Uh, when I was applying to go to university, I, I'd done my level one course. I was loving football. I was doing so much volunteering across different organisations and, and youth football clubs. And I think I had my heart set on, I, I really wanted to work in football. And rightly or wrongly, uh, uh, my support networks around me in school and college said, Vicky, you you're not going to get a job working in football. So how about being a PE teacher? So I kind of thought, well, okay, that's probably a sensible move in terms of career. But my, my passion was, without a doubt, football. So I went to university and obviously did the dual course, which allowed me to do both. And even when I was on my first placements in schools, I I loved it. I, I loved working with the young people. I loved working as part of a PE department. But it was different to coaching because when I was coaching, I was just coaching football. And you had a different amount of time with the players and you could work on different things. And there was almost, I guess, a bit of autonomy with it. Whereas in school, there was curriculums and there were syllabuses and there were structures and there was assessments and there were gradings. And 
I felt that I didn't have the same relationships with young people in school as I did on the football pitch. So for me, even like I say, even when I was doing my, my degree, I did enjoy being in schools because of the young people, but I did still know where my heart was. And so it was about then taking any opportunities I could to, to develop more as a coach because I knew, I knew it would be so hard to, to get that opportunity in football. So after that, then what was the next? thing that you went on to do after your degree so I finished my degree like I say all the time I was there I was <laughs> I was a bit of a nuisance probably I was pestering anybody for any opportunity that they could uh, <laughs> they could give me and I was just building contacts and networks because I think we'll all agree they having that network and people that you can go to to ask for advice and support in whatever role we're in is is massive so I was coming to the end of my degree um I was starting to kind of put messages out to say you know are there any opportunities coming up and uh, I was really lucky that it just timed really nicely that there was a job coming up at a local school who'd had a, a 3G football pitch built as part of the school facilities. Uh, and as part of this, there was a role to develop football on the site. So to make sure that the site was being used for community use, to make sure the school students were using it. So I ended up taking a part-time role as a development officer in the school, which meant I could work three days a week there and then the other time during the week out coaching for different organisations. So... It wasn't a full-time job in football, but at the time it was the best I could get and and a fantastic first step for me in terms of actually I can work in football. Yeah. When we've chatted before, you mentioned that you actually worked in the Middle East for a while um, coaching. How did how did that all come about? Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was amazing. So I had my job um, as the development officer at the school site, which I really loved. But probably about a year into it, I realised that as much as I loved the job, I wasn't really coaching that much mm. and to be a better coach and to learn and develop as a coach, I needed to do it more just like anybody. I had a family bereavement and I really sadly lost my, uh, my 18 year old nephew. So seeing him suffer, losing somebody really important and then seeing an opportunity to come up that actually would allow me to do something that, that I really wanted to do, experience something in a place that I'd never been kind of seemed the perfect opportunity. Mm. One, to probably get away a little bit from everything that was going on here and have a bit of a fresh start. But two, the opportunity to get paid to do something that you love doing every day of the week seemed seemed a great opportunity. And like I say, it could only help me as a coach in terms of coaching more. When I applied for it, I got offered the job. And even my family and friends, we, we joked that I'd probably be home in a couple of weeks. I come from the countryside. I come from a really small community where everyone knows everybody. And... Moving to the Middle East, to a country where I'd never been before, where where lots of people have an, have an opinion without often having been, it was absolutely terrifying, actually. But it was also really exciting. And it did exactly, you know, what it said in terms of coaching all the time. And I obviously lasted longer than two weeks. I ended up being there for five years because there was a real opportunity to develop and progress, both in terms of job roles, but for me and, and kind of my career and, and me to develop as, as a coach and a person and... And as a, an individual, and yeah, it, like I say, ultimately it just came down to the fact that I still wanted to learn and develop more, and that's why I came home to mm. to the UK to 
kind of push you off opportunities. It's such a massive move that is. Uh, I mean, moving anywhere in the same country for for a job it, it is is daunting. Never mind, obviously, completely somewhere halfway around around the world. How did you adapt to that, and how did that experience, the wonderful experience, help you grow as a coach? It was hard. It was really hard to start with. And again, do you know, actually, it probably helped that it was similar to my previous experiences. So when I moved over at the time, I moved to Dubai, and, and at the time, I was the only female coach working. So you know, this was kind of eight or nine years ago now. And I know, again, the landscape has changed a lot now. And there's there's loads of female coaches, which is fantastic. And, and so there should be. But, you know, at that time, moving over there, so new country, new job, only female coach. But actually, I'd been through those experiences in terms of, well, I was the only coach on my level one. I was the only female coach on my level two. So it probably wasn't new. And again, it's culture, isn't it? Because actually, if you're good at what you do, you end up earning people's respect. So to start with, it was strange for people to see a female coach and that was different. But actually, once I started coaching and I built the relationship with the players, the players definitely didn't think any differently. And the parents soon got used to it too. And and again, it just became normal. Nobody nobody then questioned it. And like I say, there's, there's so many female coaches over working now, which is absolutely brilliant. So would you say that there was any big differences to coaching over there as opposed to here? I think there were some differences, but also so many similarities. When I moved, I was I was coaching only male players. And that was more so just because of demographics and because of the clubs and the organisations that I was working with. Probably the biggest challenge was for them to have a female coach because culturally it was different and it wasn't the norm. But ultimately, when it got down to the football, football's football. It's almost like a common language. Even if some of my players didn't speak English, you can communicate through the game. And, you know, I ended up working with, like I say, players from all around the world because it's such a transient place and people come and go. And like I say, the biggest learning curve, again, was being quite resilient, being in different situations and being so far away from home and then having to build that support network around you almost as you go because it is so new. But again, if if you think back to the experience that I'd had on courses, actually probably quite similar at times. And I knew I could do it. Do you feel like the resilience is something that helped you grow as a coach? Yeah, absolutely. And I think as a coach, we often feel judged and watched. And I think that's the same for everybody. So I think that resilience piece is really important. So whether it's, you know, the parents of your team mm. giving you a bit of a hard time sometimes or, you know, opposition coaches on a match day. I've said it before, coaching isn't always easy. And I think it's that having that resilience to get through when, when actually it might be a little bit challenging and knowing where you can go to for some support and help when you need it. And then ultimately just backing yourself and believing in what you're doing and, and knowing that you're doing the best for the players that you're working with, because really they're the most important people, you and your players. So if we jump forward now a little bit to your role that you have today, can you tell us a bit more about it? I know you briefly mentioned it at the beginning, but can you tell us a bit more about it and how you're helping to develop the female coaches in your area? So I think we've all recognised it's really important that our footballing work- workforce and our volunteers and everybody, again, football is for all and, and it should be diverse. We should have male and female players. We should have coaches from from diverse backgrounds in the game. So really privileged to to be able to help support that and make that happen. My role is around how do we recruit more female coaches? How do we encourage mums to take that step over? Because traditionally, whenever we've set up new football teams, we and it's just history, it's what we've always done, but we'll ask the dads if they fancy being the coach, which is fantastic. But actually, why don't we ask the mums? Because I think actually the mums would be just as good as the dads. Because, again, when we talk about those things that make great coaches, 
being organised, being a role model, ensuring your players have fun. We can all do that. So how do we recruit more female coaches? And then how do we support and develop and keep them in the game? So some of that's around what do our, our courses look like? Have we got um, female tutors delivering them? So we have role models within the game. Have we got CPD and events and female coach networks where coaches can come into and be part of the community? Because as I said before, it can be quite lonely when, when you're out on a match day on your own on a weekend. And I know certainly in my league, I won't see another female coach all season. Mm. So having the opportunity to be part of a network where I can share my experiences in a safe place, in a supportive environment and share some of the, the challenges, but also share some of the successes. So that, I guess, is part of my job around setting up those networks and encouraging people to be part of it and then giving them some support and development opportunities within that to to make sure we keep these people in the game. Do you work with and help then quite a wide variety of coaches? You say there, obviously, it's, it'd be nice if the mums are asked, for instance, to go in rather than it always being the dads. Do you have a lot of like parents that you help and then also some that maybe see it as a career path? And, and if you do, how do you tailor your support to those two groups? Yeah, every day is so different. So I could go from working with, with a mum trying to build her confidence to take that step and start her coaching journey. And that might be taking her daughter's or son's football team. And then the next day I might be having a conversation with, with a UEFA B coach of around actually what, what's the next step in terms of her, her journey, her career and, and how we support her get there. And I think the important thing to me is that qualifications are fantastic. And, you know, we're really lucky that we have access to a range of qualifications that will support people on their journeys, but. But actually, the ind- individual is more important. And I was at a female coaches group on on Monday night where we were saying, actually, you know, the majority of your pl- time, I- I've never known it where a player asks your qualification, your player knows that wants to know that you care, that you care about them. And it's not a barrier for our, our mums who are getting into football coaching to not want to go and progress and do lots and lots of qualifications. If they do their intro to coaching, if they've done their playmaker and their outworking with their players every week that they're making a difference they're making a huge difference and they're having an impact so so it's, it's that mindset of we're not just kind of pushing coaches towards qualifications it's around supporting coaches to be the best that they can be and and support them with what they need do you have any success stories that you're able to share with us at all from the groups that you've supported yeah we've and again it's probably really similar to, to what we've just shared i um Towards the back end of last season, I had a younger female who I was doing some support with. She was a level two coach, but she's somebody who really wants to work in football. She'd completed a, an apprenticeship and had been really engaged with any opportunity that came her way. And she sent me an email towards the end of the season saying that um, she wanted to let me know that she'd been offered a place on a UEFA B course and she'd been offered a full-time role that she'd applied for and really just wanting to share that with me, but also to, to thank me for the the support and and again like for me that's fantastic because she's had those opportunities that she's worked really really hard for over the year and and all I really did was was listen to her Mm. uh, and be there when when it was difficult and signpost her to to potential opportunities she's done all the hard work but it's for her it was that having that person that she could turn to that she knew kind of got it and understood We usually ask this about players, Vicky, but how important is it for you to really understand the individual and their experiences to, in order to mentor the coaches that you support? I think working with coaches is no different to players. We have to know them as individuals. We can't just 
group people together and, and it links back to what I've said previously around not everybody is qualification driven. For some of the coaches I work with, they will be aspirational coaches who want to work through qualifications and will have their own kind of mindset in terms of where they'd like to be working within the game. And for others, it's around just becoming the best coach they can be. And that's fantastic. And our job is to to know where they are in terms of their own coaching journey. And if we know them as individuals, then we can offer the right support for them. So whether that's becoming part of some of our female coaching groups, whether that's signposting to courses or other support, or if I think about our workforce, whether that's the opportunity to work with a coach mentor. But we have to know people as as individuals. And that's exactly as our, the same as our players. When we deliver a session, we have to know who our players are to get the best out of the session. So, yeah, individuals first, always. Do you have any top tips with regards to as, uh, coaches as well as players here? Do you have any top tips or advice for trying to get to understand individuals? I think it's, uh, and it's always hard, I think it's it's time, taking the time to to ask, to find out, and, and rather than just assuming. So just because somebody's on a, I don't know, on a qualification, it doesn't mean to say that, that they're just motivated by the qualification. But, and I think sometimes to say that is just around having those conversations, just like you would with your, with your players at sessions. You, you'd ask them how their day was at school or, or what they're up to on the weekend and, and find out about them. So actually, you know, I don't know, if they don't have the best session in the world, it's because they've already had a school football match and they're tired. When some of my coaches come along to events and I don't think they, they use yourself, it's because they've been running around at work all day. So people first take the time to, to find out and build that relationship. I think that's really useful to think about. So we know that you support coaches, but you also coach a grassroots women's team. Would you say that it's beneficial to be able to do both of those? And also, does it allow you to see coaching challenges that others are having? Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm, I understand the challenges. I understand what it's like on a Thursday night, late at night, late at night, eight o'clock in the evening, mm. when it's pouring with rain, when my players range from 16-year-olds to... 36 year olds who some of them have just put their kids down to bed and are racing to training some of them have come from college so for me to deliver sessions that are fun which are engaging which they feel are worthwhile to coming to to then be able to play games on a Sunday and I get the challenges of being a coach because I live and breathe it and like I say it's hard that those those sessions like I say when it is pouring when you jump in your car thinking why do we do it? But you do it because you've got all those players who've turned up because they want to be there. You do it because you might not win your games on the weekend, but you learn and you develop and you give those players opportunities to play. And, you know, I didn't have the opportunity to play. So I'm going to make sure I can do everything that I can to give others the opportunity. I love it because it keeps me fresh. It keeps me learning. I can keep testing out new sessions that I see other coaches deliver. You know, I say we, I love the game. If it wasn't privileged to wear this kit, I'd, I'd still be a coach. Just on like a practical point of view then, say you are exhausted, you've been really busy all day and you kind of, you turn up to your session and you, you're about to start coaching. How do you revive yourself almost to go again and coach a session? What things do you do to kind of G yourself up a little bit? I think there's been plenty of Thursday nights where I've questioned going off my sofa and out the door and into the car. I try and plan a session before the Thursday night so I don't leave it to the last minute so I know actually even if I'm tired even if I don't want to go out the door I've already got my plan and it's ready so I don't need to think about that 
And then it's around actually knowing that if I didn't go, then they wouldn't get the chance to train. So I think it's that actually knowing that once you get there, you're going to make a difference. You've got your plan. You're going to make a difference. And then I always try, like when I get there, I, like I'll always have a chat with the players. Because I think, again, that kind of shifts you out of your mindset. So actually, you know, yeah, 10 minutes ago, I might have been sitting on my sofa with my cup of tea, nice and warm. Now I'm not. I'm here. But actually, I'm with you guys. Tell me about your day. Tell like, how's your week been? What did you think about the game on the weekend? And then we'll usually start the session with some sort of fun game. Even though they're an adults team, we'll quite often play a game of tag or races or something just because when you hear laughing when you start the session like I say it almost instantly shifts your your mind or your your yeah. mood set and then actually yeah you're, you're there then you're committed and the time just flies by yeah brilliant just before we move on to our next uh, segment of the show Vicky are there any initiatives in your area that you'd like to draw attention to at all I think and they're getting out there more and more you know obviously the female coaching networks are being set up all over the the country so our aim is that if you if you're a female coach you've got access to to support and opportunities within your area and within your your region now each of those will look differently and and be delivered by by various members of my team but it's definitely something that I'd recommend people look into or find out about because there are more and more opportunities growing all the time. And in your opinion, how important is it to create a community of female coaches in your area? It's really important. We've said about it's a real mixture, though, in terms of its purpose, in terms of, say, being that safe space, creating that network, having other people they can turn to, but also delivering new ideas, giving some content. Because, yeah, we say it's always nice to, to have new session plans or ideas or things to try or things to consider differently or just to reflect on our own sessions and our own practices so so yeah kind of multiple outcomes from the groups and that's why anybody can come along and benefit whether they're a brand new coach or whether they have their UAFB qualification I believe everybody can can benefit from getting involved. Okay so now we're moving on to our next section which is our community chat so for this we take questions from our England football community where coaches go on and ask questions of things that they're struggling with or just want some information about. So we thought we'd put one of those to you, if that's okay. So this one in particular kind of ties in with what we just spoke about. So it's for new coaches. So something that often comes up is people are wanting to start their coaching journey, like they've perhaps done a course or they're just wanting to make those first steps. How would you suggest that they go about joining a club or being part of a club to actually start coaching? I think anybody who is looking to get involved in the club is fantastic. And I have no doubt that the local club would be absolutely delighted to have them. Probably the first step would be to contact their local county FA. So wherever they are in, in the country. So for example, for me in Cornwall, it'd be Cornwall FA. And they'd be able to share contact details of all the local clubs who might be looking for coaches or looking to set up age groups. So it might be, for example, if a coach had a preference or actually I'd, I'd like to coach a girls team. They could say, actually, well, this club's really close to you and they're looking to set up or would love you to get involved with with an under-10s, for example. So I think contact your local county FA. They'll be able to give you information and contact details of, of your clubs to get involved with. And then in terms of, you know, of qualifications and support, again, there's there's almost so much more support now on a local level. So your local county FA will be able to share with you dates, times, details of any future events that are coming up. So whether that's a formal qualification or whether that's CPD opportunities that are happening in, in the county, 
they'll be able to share those dates. Brilliant. And then there's a bit of a follow-up to that because there may be a bit of like confidence and worries in there. What would you say to help build someone's confidence to go into that? Let's say they do get their first coaching position or kind of get into a club. How would you help them feel like they're, they're able to do it? I think it's, you know, if you've taken that first step, then that's amazing. I think it's around believe in yourself, but also make things as easy as possible for yourself because it can be quite scary when you stand in front of your players for your first time. So have your plan, have some ideas up your sleeve. Don't worry if it doesn't go quite to plan. Um, you're the only person that knows what's on that piece of paper or on your iPad or however you've, you've planned your sessions. So things won't always go exactly as you want, but don't worry because you're, like I say, you're the only person. So if your players are, are enjoying it, then yeah, there's, there's no need to worry. But yeah, plan, be organized, have everything ready kind of before you start your session and try and enjoy it and try and enjoy it. I guess there's also the element of if things do go wrong, you can learn from it and kind of you can come again next time and try, try again or, you know, develop it slightly. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you'll, you'll reflect after every session and, and also, you know, your players will often be a great way of getting feedback because you'll see from your session, you know, if they're all taking part and they're happy, then that's a good session. And also sometimes you'll notice or, or players will, will give you feedback, sometimes whether you want it or, or not, about things that, that they might enjoy or things that, that you might consider doing differently. And I'd say take that and use that as and where you can. But yeah, confidence will come with delivering sessions and giving it a try and, and stepping out of your comfort zone. Brilliant. Right, well, we are coming up to the end of the show, Vicky, and uh, our usual listeners will know that means it is time for our Swift Session feature. That's right. So we've got a another 30 seconds on the clock, but this time we'll ask you to come up with or explain to us a session idea in 30 seconds. Is that something that you feel like you can do? Yep, bro. Okay, so 30 seconds starts now. So uh, my session idea I actually stole from somebody recently. Um, so I like to get my players moving at the start. So they two players stand opposite each other and then I have a line of players. Um, and on the shout, they have to race each other to a cone. Now, it might be that they have to throw the ball uh, and catch and then go. It might be that they have to start in a press-up position and go. Uh, it might be that they were passing the ball around their body, but they were having a 1v1 race against each other. And then after a few goes... They switch players. It's pretty much like the first one, just <laughs> just slightly over, but perfectly timed. Added time, yeah. yeah. And it added time there. We'll give you that. It was just in there. We've added time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was there anything else you'd like to add to that, or Vicky, to if you need uh, any extra time to explain that to our listeners? No, I think I pretty much just got there in the end. But yeah, I, I said it earlier. It was around starting the session with a bit of fun. Um, everyone has obviously got there from work so uh, yeah it was just a good way to get people laughing while still working hard brilliant yeah, well thank you very much for your time today Vicky it's been brilliant to chat to you again and really find out more about your coaching journey some great advice there for our coach as well and hopefully uh, they've enjoyed it well thank you guys well Louise that was a nice chat with Vicky good to catch up with her and really interesting insight into a coaching journey what would be the key point that stood out to you from that chat yeah like you i really enjoyed it i think for me this time it would be right back at the beginning just the importance of showing that you believe in someone and, and kind of what kind of impact that can have on someone's journey whether you think it's a big 
thing or not, just kind of showing someone that you're interested, you believe in them and you've got time to kind of support them. Yeah, I like that one and, that, and that's something that stood out to me as well and that kind of goes hand in hand with the, another point that, that Vicky said about that kind of caring and being there for your players and the fact that they then know you care and appreciate them and then I thought it was quite nice where she's highlighting for herself and I'm sure many coaches listening to this having that kind of special feeling and a, and a buzz of giving people opportunities to play football, to have fun and to enjoy themselves and, and then develop as well, uh, just getting that little, that little buzz from coaching I thought was quite a nice nice thing to highlight right well that is all we do have time for today but don't forget to check out the episode description for all the links to our platforms there you will be able to click through to the england football community this is where you can pose your coaching questions for us to discuss on the podcast or just to connect with loads of wonderful coaches yeah we really do love helping you out with your coaching questions so please do go and ask away ask as many questions as you like we'll be back soon with another episode of coachcast so if you haven't already hit that subscribe button to make sure that you don't miss an episode and from all of us at england football learning thanks for listening